The Responsible Investing Podcast by Aberdeen Standard Investments. Hello, I'm Amanda Young. You are listening to the Aberdeen Standard Investments Responsible Investing Podcast, discussing all things relating to responsible investment issues. Now, today I am delighted to have as my guest, Sarah Norris. Sarah is the perfect guest to have on our podcast today because we want to continue our conversation on impact investing. Now, in a previous podcast, I chatted to another Sarah, Sarah Gordon, who leads the Impact Investing Institute to talk about the impact investing movement in the UK. Today, I'm keen to explore a fund manager's perspective of how impact investing actually works in practice. But before we start, a little bit about our guest today. As a fund manager, Sarah is well-versed in understanding ethical, environmental and social issues when it comes to managing portfolios. She is the co-portfolio manager of the Global Equity Impact Strategy and has also spent many years running the Aberdeen Standard Investments European Ethical Fund. She attended the University of Virginia where she studied English and comparative politics. And Sarah then went on to the University of St Andrews here in Scotland to study international relations with a focus on conflict resolution. Now, Sarah has a very interesting background, which provides some context into why she has a passion for both investment and impact, because her studies led her to work with an NGO around the Southern Sudanese independent referendum. And she continues to work with an education charity focused initially out of Moliandro's South Sudan, but more recently in a refugee camp in Juba. Now, Sarah's passion for social justice has led her to raise money for this charity, uh, to set up a library in their camp. And we're really delighted to say that the books finally arrived last year. Interesting fact about Sarah is that she ran seven marathons over seven days through the Amazon rainforest. This is not only an amazing achievement, but one that took place in an amazing location. Wow, Sarah, what an introduction. And I'm absolutely delighted to have you on our podcast today. A warm welcome. Thanks very much, Amanda. I'm, I'm equally delighted to be here today and to chat with you about something that's really a, a mutual passion, I think. So I'm um, absolutely really looking forward to our discussion today. Um, now, as I said in my introduction, um, I'm keen to focus uh, today on impact investing. We often hear about impact investing or investing with impact, but I still think that there may be a bit of confusion as to what impact investing actually is. So maybe to start with, perhaps you can give us your view on what impact investing is and how it differs from other types of sustainable investment. Definitely, because I guess every investment has an impact, whether it's positive or negative. And I think that's the important thing to keep in the back of your mind. And when we're talking about impact investing, we're, we're really talking about the, the kind of original Rockefeller Foundation definition, which is intentional investment to deliver measurable social or environmental outcomes alongside uh, financial return. So when we're talking about impact investing in Aberdeen, we're, we're looking for companies who are intentionally developing products or services that are quantifiably, measurably, demonstrably changing the world in, in some way and, and trying to really tackle one of the world's most, most pressing global issues. And this is distinct from, from other types of investment because it's not about excluding certain types of businesses. It's not solely focused on how a company is run and working to engage on on improving labor policies or environmental policies or even looking at alignment material alignment to a sustainable development goal it goes one step further and and 
focuses on intentionality. What is a company's intent and how is it really being a mission led business? And can we measure how that intent is is coming through in, in products and services and, and how they're addressing a global issue? Now, that's great because we're going to go on to talk about how that works in practice. But before we do that, we've heard a little bit about your background work in Sudan and It'd be a great uh, uh, opportunity to explore this. This is a far cry from the financial services industry. So maybe we could hear a little bit about how you made that change from your work in Sudan to now managing impact investing portfolios. Definitely, I guess, yeah, I, I took a non-traditional route as we call it. <laughs> I, I grew up um, kind of aware of what was going on in South Sudan. I was very lucky in that I grew up in DC. So my, my father was quite active um, with, with quite a number of the diaspora mm -hmm. from, from southern Sudan. And so when I, I graduated university, was looking for, for work, it was very much focused on, on development. How can I really try and have a personal impact and address some of these social issues around human rights, water security, education security, health security. And so I did a lot of work uh, with a lobbying organization trying to get support for the diaspora. Yeah. before the referendum and, and then also trying to get U.S. commitment to uphold the outcome of the referendum around independence. But um, independence happened and and please don't judge me on what on the current political and, and uh, security climate in, in South Sudan at the moment. But it, it was very obvious that it, it was not the safest place for me to go. And yeah. I still had a passion for this type of work and, and wanted to continue. And um, impact investing was was fairly nascent at that point, certainly not um, something that you'd associate with equity investing. Mm -hmm. But I, I figured, well, maybe maybe that's a route I could go down. And and um, Aberdeen was was willing to to take a chance on that and say, okay, how can we extend our ESG franchise? And and certainly, you, Amanda, had had recently joined and were incredibly passionate about shifting all assets to being sustainable assets. Mm -hmm. And and I guess that the tag team of us and and then adding in Dom were, were able to really drive impact as a strategy and, and hopefully not just in equities but but across multiple asset classes now the world is obviously facing some real significant challenges and we've only just touched on a, a fraction in sudan but how far do you feel that investment can go to contributing to solving some of these challenges i well, I, I personally don't think we'll be able to solve any of these challenges without investment buy-in from from the asset management community if you think mm -hmm. about how much it's going to cost annually to to meet the UN's agenda, to meet the sustainable development goals. I mean, that's several trillion dollars a year. And in emerging markets, there's a two and a half trillion dollar funding gap. Mm. So, so there is phenomenal political will post post COVID and even pre COVID in a, achieving some of these social and environmental uh, ambitions and goals. But there's not enough money. The public public finances are already stretched, and so it will take buy in from from corporates, from public and private institutions and private individuals. And, and I think that creates the perfect environment for impact investing and in, in trying to pull capital from all of these sources and, and really drive drive solutions to these challenges. I, I mean, it sounds a, a really positive thing, but obviously all of these things come with, with challenges. So what do you think the biggest challenge uh, um, for impact investing has been and maybe the changes in impact investing have been over the past five years? I think the biggest challenge initially was convincing people that impact can be a source of alpha. Impact does not mean you have to sacrifice returns because you are traditionally 
not investing in in certain sectors you're, you're probably not investing in fossil fuel companies extractive companies um so so it was trying to convince or trying to evidence we're not even convinced but evidence how investing in in companies that are actually part of a problem and are part of the solution to a problem are tapping into to unmet demand and it really is a narrative that unmet needs so issues around not having access to water education um, clean energy that that is also an unmet demand mm -hmm. and that then presents quite a sustainable um, value creation opportunity for for businesses and and if we can align our investments with with these strategies that creates quite an attractive return potential and then kind of shareholder value creation and i think that was the key hurdle and if i look forward to the future then the next hurdle that we're, we're kind of grappling with is how we report on impact right there's no standardized definition of, of how you report on impact and, and every every impact fund does it slightly differently and so the ambition to is to to be at the forefront of this and and constantly evolving but making sure that, that we really are at the gold standard of, of data collection analysis and um, reporting for, for our investors. Can we can we take a slightly different track now and, and look at how you actually do impact investment, if you like? What are the types of things that you look for in your investments? Well, we work quite closely with our, our central ESG team when we're thinking about impact and, and really trying to understand the nature of the types of issues that, that we're looking at. So that's the very first step is, is working with central ESGA analysts and, and trying to understand what, what are the types of issues, how can we identify solutions to some of these issues. And one piece of work that Beth Meyer just did was around nutrition. How do we define good nutrition and what are the types of problems around the double burden of disease around obesity as well as malnutrition that we're trying to address? And then how can companies provide solutions to that? And then the next step is the, the impact analysts going away and looking for companies that, that fit to this solution and, and looking for, we call them local solutions to global problems so looking for companies that are addressing a specific issue in a country and then the way we're, we're trying to assess these companies is focusing on how they're investing and that that's really how we're different is that we don't use revenue screens and alignment and materiality are important but that's the second stage for us mm -hmm. we're, we're first looking to see I'm, ste I'm stealing your term if a company really is a mission-led business yeah do they demonstrate intentional investment to challenge one of these problems and and that makes us show that these companies aren't going to be able to change strategies or change routes and that that trying to drive an impact is is core to their their purpose now you've already mentioned this that all companies have impact both positive and negative it is very clear that the world is also not black or white there's a whole variety of shades of gray that investors have to kind of grapple with this you know, brings a range of complexities for you as a fund manager. Um, maybe you can bring this to light with an example of a company that you may look to invest in um, and how you weigh up the net impacts of your investment, if you like. Definitely. I mean, that's a great question and one we're constantly grappling with because, as you say, no company is black and white. And I think as a starting point, that's why it's so important to have central governance of, of an impact strategy. We have an impact management group that, that you chair um, and we also have um, buy-in from from ESG analysts who who don't necessarily know the financial aspect of a company, but are very much clued up on on kind of the impact challenges and the questions and the ESG risks that go go hand in hand with with running a business. And and just because you are a mission-led business doesn't mean you don't fall afoul of some of these risks. So the first step is having good governance. And then when we do get an issue, it's 
it's our choice and our, and our view that we should really try and avoid net impact and and net impact can can come in many different flavors and i guess the the example that i always use is tesla which on the surface of it potentially is a brilliant impact case um they are trying to drive an energy revolution and they're doing this through electric vehicles but if you if you look under the, the hood of the car um, there are serious governance questions around um, an overbearing CEO, some of the market manipulation allegations from, from tweets and SEC investigations. Um, there, there are questions around labor, how employees are treated. And I know they, they scored quite negatively um, recently on, on one kind of analysis of, of kind of the, the labor relations and working conditions. And then a recent move was was to stop um, accepting Bitcoin as payment, but previously accepting Bitcoin as payment when there's there's a huge environmental cost to that does raise questions about what is the net impact. And so for us to be able to invest in a company like Tesla, we would have to see quite strong messages on each of those points in an action plan for change to be able to get comfortable that that there isn't really a netting of impact and, and this company really is on a path to positive impact and working on some of these operational issues and working on some of these governance issues. And that's why having ESG analysis integrated at the very start of your financial analysis is so incredibly important so that we can get a grip on each of these different issues, understand how they're going to impact the financial return of the business and also understand how they're going to impact their, their overarching strategy. It's like good foundations uh, to, to build impact from. Exactly. Now, during my podcast, I have always um, looked for my guests to provide a bit of inspiration, to share something that has inspired them personally on sustainability issues. Uh, and now I believe you have a book suggestion for our listeners on the changing landscape of aid. Perhaps you can tell us what that is and why uh, this inspired you. I do. It, this is my all-time favorite book and really one of the reasons that I, I wanted to pursue a career in development and, and ultimately how, how I've come to work in impact. It's, it's called The Man Who Tried to Save the World and it's by Scott Anderson. And, and Scott Anderson is, is by trade a, a war, uh, wartime journalist, war, war veteran reporter. And he, he was friends with a man named Fred Cooney who, who, who revolutionized how we think about aid. He, he was an aid worker and crisis response personnel that working in Kurdistan, he's been to Somalia, he was in Bosnia, but he ultimately disappeared in Chechnya. So, so what Scott Anderson does is he, he goes through and, and kind of tells the story of Fred Cooney's life, his imperfections, how he came to, to be an aid worker, the, the challenges that, that he, um, he faced and tr really trying to to kind of upend how we think about aid and make sure that aid is not distributed in a cookie cutter formulaic ma manner, but we actually think about the types of conflicts that you're trying to address and, and making sure that the the supplies that you're taking to Kurdistan aren't the same supplies as you're taking to Haiti, because they're, they're just very simply, they're, they're completely different topography, completely different climates. And then so it's not going to be appropriate to use the same. And it tells about his exploits um, in each of these different countries and, and some of these crises. And, and it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing how he survived, but also how much he accomplished wow. and, and then goes into um, how he disappeared, where he disappeared, why he disappeared. And it really did. It convinced me that one person can make a massive difference and, and you don't have to sit there and think, well, I'm not I'm not going to be able to change the world. One, one person. Uh, very bluntly did change the world, did change how we think about aid and has made a lasting impression. And I think that that's the key message that we all need to take away is that 
what you do with your money, how you invest, the, these are key changes and challenges that, that will change the world. And so whether it's an impact strategy or sustainable investing strategy, it, it starts with us. And, and I think that's such a powerful message. So I would, I would really challenge everybody to, to go out and re read the book. Um, I love it. And it's really written in a journalistic way. It's not a thick, heavy textbook. It, it just draws you in. Wow, that's really inspired me. It, it's something my son keeps saying to me, how can I as an individual change the world? So perhaps it needs to become one for us to read together. I'm really delighted to have that bit of inspiration. Thank you so much. Now, we're drawing to the end of our podcast. So I have one final question for you. Impact investing has clearly taken off. Um, it, it's amazed me personally in the last few years how we've gone from something so nascent to something that people are finally just got, if you like. Looking to the future, what do you think um, holds for impact investing? Perhaps you can touch on how you would like to see it develop. I think we always say our work isn't done until every fund is an impact fund in some way. And as cliche as that sounds, I really, truly do believe that's the direction of travel in, in the market, in the industry. And impact can come in in many different forms I, I think every fund has to be impactful i guess as we say the impactful investor whether that is focusing on sustainability criteria operationally or whether it is going the full hog to to be an impact investing fund and i think impact investing is really helping to drive that push and almost pull along the the um sustainable investing landscape and and um ecosystem so I'm, I'm just incredibly excited to see more companies start to, to change how they invest and, and also more investors really start to think about how, how they're allocating their own capital. And I hope that that creates the perfect environment for, for us to achieve our ambition and all funds to become impact funds. Oh, Sarah, it's been an absolute delight to have you today. Really inspiring and, you know, oodles of positivity there, which is something I always love. I've also loved hearing about your personal story and um, how you have come into investments. And we're very lucky to have uh, somebody with such passion and vision helping allocate capital in such an inspiring way. So thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much, Amanda. It's been an absolute pleasure. It always is. Thank you for having me on your podcast. So you've been listening to the Aberdeen Responsible Investing Podcast, aiming to bring you insights into all things responsible investment. Thank you very much for tuning in to our podcast and you can find all of our episodes on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and until our next podcast, goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Responsible Investing Podcast brought to you by Aberdeen Standard Investments. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and for more great content, visit AberdeenStandard.com. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for information purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen Standard Investments. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns. 
Return projections are estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.